anything is nerdable. The the anything is potable. Nerder she wrote crossover event of the century. Some would say. I mean, it's it's the boldest crossover since we were at All Star, and we had <laughs> <laughs> Eric Name and Fred Katz on the show. Um, so uh, I literally just got everything is potable when you said it out loud. I was trying to. <laughs> That's and now the problem <laughs> with the name is that you have to say it out loud yeah. for it to like make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, but it clicks eventually. You have yeah. to hear him scream it. You got to hold normally the start every episode by going, anything is potable. It's, it's very, totally very normal. annoying. Yeah, way. it's totally normal. <laughs> way to start the podcast. Uh, totally normal start to a podcast. Find, right. a new, find a new slant. Okay, <laughs> so uh, we're here just to talk about Jason Tatum, right? That's sure. kind of what every podcast we've had for the last two months has been. So I don't know why we would stop now. Yeah, um, so he's been the best player on the team all year. Ooh, that's his take. No, he's been the best player on the team all year. I mean, he was like 51% true shooting for a month and a half or whatever. But he's all, he's all NBA defense. He's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I oh, think he's Seth, really Seth, Seth is not agreeing with that one. You don't think he's going to make all NBA defense? Well, there's, you know, there's three front court spots and two of them are, are spoken for. Right. Giannis yeah. and Brooke. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and or Giannis and, and Gobert or, oh, or I, don't, I don't think Gobert's gonna yeah probably not but so do you call the the does AD like I'm I don't know if he oh, should but he's that's he, a good point yeah that, that's I think AD is a lock and you know Gobert. yeah I don't funny. I don't necessarily think he should be but I think he's got steam. he's gonna be yeah yeah that's a narrative fun. the narrative started before yeah. the so season, makes second. It was kind of done yeah even though. By some Either metrics, way, LeBron has been a better defender. Very good defender. Yeah, he's been AD. like one of the best, ten best defenders, fifteen best defenders, let's say, in the league. Like he's been fantastic. Uh, Third but, team all defense lock. Sure, sure. <laughs> Somewhere in there, he's at least in the top fifty at his position. I think this just goes to show the war on Tice is very much a real thing. You can't. Oh Daniel Tice can't even get the. Tice has been great too, but all right. But we're talking about Tatum. Okay, so what happened in the last six weeks? What changed? He got named to the All-Star team, and like his confidence went some, through the roof. Some of his teammates actually think he got named to the All-Star team and then just showed up and kind of figured he was the one. Yeah, he's, he's literally on another planet. Either he, he, he was relieved that he made the All-Star team and was like no longer pressing or just like had so much more confidence, but going to the games, like noticeably more swagger and just in everything he did. But basketball-wise, I mean, he became a much better finisher. That's the biggest thing to me. Obviously, he's shooting probably an unsustainable number on step-back threes and pull-up threes and everything else. That's going to come down at some point. He's not going to continue scoring 30-plus points in every game. But the finishing is the real biggest difference. At the beginning of the year, he was smoking bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> and over the over time, it was obviously a very new role for him coming into the season. Over time, those Bosch layups have become – you know, nice floaters over big men or extend the arm and finish. And that that's made that's been a very, very big deal for him. He's been one of the most efficient pick and roll scorers in the league this year, which is really impressive considering he never really did that before. So the thing that I picked up on first with him this season, and this was like early on, his decision making with his handle and and his ability to get to spots has is better. Um, he's not playing around as much, so he's not having to, like those long twos are gone because he actually can do what he wants to do. I mean, is this like something that he picked up by spending the summer with Team USA? Because I know that like Pop's big thing 
is make decisions. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that helped, but Brad Stevens has been harping on that. He does the .5-second decision yeah. thing, too. I, I, if, if you talk to a lot of guys in the Celtics organization last year, they thought Tatum should be more in the pick and roll and that that was a skill that he had that was really good and that they just didn't utilize. And then this year, I think being in the pick and roll has really helped. He's, he's done a – I mean, he's what is he, the fourth or fifth in efficiency so far among pick and roll ball handlers as a scorer. So – that's something that he didn't get to show ever when it was Kyrie and everybody else, and now he's stepping into that role, and it's changed his game. I also think the Celtics' offense kind of changed with Al Horford leaving, and they just run so many more pick-and-rolls now that it just feels like he has more of an opportunity. Um, when Horford was in the like, on the team, they just – a lot more pick-and-pop um, and running the offense through Horford, um, and it feels just like the, the entire team, but especially Tatum, just has the ball in his hands. And they were mostly kind of a side-to-side dribble handoff style team the last in the Horford era, mostly because that worked perfectly with Horford. And without him, they had to keep the ball in the wings' hands, and so they've become a downhill pick-and-roll oriented team. I think a big part of it is Tatum has seen the success in the pick-and-roll that guys like Hayward and the other guys are having. And I think just the bigs know how to do their screen and rolls now. I mean, uh, I feel like everybody in the world is finally catching up to Daniel Tice being really good at sealing off in the paint and creating a lot of opportunities there uh but i think tatum's big thing was just that i mean he, he's had a lot of tweaks that have really helped but he also just got to that point of the season where he had enough reps under his belt that he was just really confident in the stuff that he built into his game in the offseason and just is now bringing it out more and more is this an addition by subtraction like he gets better because Kyrie's not here uh, ask al horford <laughs> uh, uh so Kyrie gets a lot of the blame for what happened last season, mm-hmm. and I don't think he was part of the solution. But there were so many factors to last year. Sure. It was Gordon Hayward coming back, and he was no good. And, and still and, playing and, big minutes. Because they had to, because right. I knew he was going to be an important part of the best version of them, which is what they would need in the playoffs. Uh, Kyrie, like, did he empower the younger guys? Absolutely not. And Kemba's done a really good job of that from, from the – the jump and then this year too I think what hasn't really been talked about a lot is people talk about how little bench scoring they have a lot how little bench shooting they have which is true but it's also those guys aren't on the court to shoot or to score and so that ends up with more possessions for Tatum more possessions for Kemba Walker more possessions for Jalen Brown Gordon Hayward all the guys you want with the ball and so the hierarchy is just there whereas last year it was like Marcus Morris Terry Rozier all the guys who could have played minimal roles, they all thought probably they were like the third best player, second best player in the team. Like yeah. They had nine guys, I bet, last year who thought they were the third best player of the team. And that's not really a recipe for success, I think. No, I think from, from my standpoint, I mean, you guys have talked about you know how much more he has the ball this year and you know kind of you, you even look at like the possession stats he's got the ball uh, in the in his hands about 10% of the time he's on the floor now uh, which is uh, reasonably high for for a wing player last year it was six and a half seven percent so it's like it's a 50% again increase on just like you say the amount of time he has the ball and maybe some of that is is you know Kemba being being hurt more this year so playing kind of without uh, a lead guard as much and and then yeah letting him you know letting him have the ball and make decisions that that seems to have agreed with him is he is he better without Kemba no 
I think he has the ball in his hands more because he's the guy who leads the second unit. And so when the bad kind of bench scoring team comes in, Jason Tatum's getting the ball and he's going to shoot just because you're just not going to rely on Shemi Ochele or Brad Wanamaker. I think the way, like the when Kemba's not in the game and we saw him when he was hurt in that uh, Celtics recent West Coast swing, the defenses and the doubles and just like the attention they could pay Jason Tatum without having like a real outlet for that, I think Kemba only helps... Tatum just in having just more shooting on the court and just another playmaker and I think Kemba is really good at getting the ball to Tatum when Tatum is cooking and so I just think it's it they're better together I just there's no way I think Tatum can be better without Kemba and we're seeing Tatum is really flexing his ability to get out of the double lately and that's been with Kemba out pretty much his entire time so if he's if he's outletting to the middle or swinging to the side and Kemba's the one getting the ball Kemba one can shoot from pretty much anywhere and he can obviously put the ball on, on the floor and attack so I think it's going to open up their offense even more if teams are trying to trap and then of course just when Kemba's out there teams usually can't trap and then that means Tatum gets to take more shots and Tatum seems to be hitting most of those shots. So I don't think there's any negative and Kemba just, he trusts that the ball's going to come back to him. Kyrie, I feel like last year was very insecure about that where every single play he would kind of come down and be like, I'm going to orchestrate the offense, not I'm going to let the ball go and trust that it's going to come back to me and I'm going to get my looks. Like for him, it was, if he was making the pass, it's because the shot wasn't there and he saw a pass that he could throw and get an assist. But Kemba just doesn't really have that complex. One interesting part of this Tatum rise, though, is 10 of his last 14 games have been without Walker. And so a lot of this recent stretch has been without Kemba. And I think, one, that's really promising that he can do it on his own and that he can lead an offense and that it can be really successful. If you look at the numbers when Kemba sat early in the season, the Celtics' offense was abysmal. And lately it's been really good. And I think Tatum's emergence has been a real part of that. And then, But if you look at the tape, like the Clippers game when – Probably Tatum's best game ever, two-way. Maybe the Lakers game. Um, but down the stretch of that game, Kemba made things so much easier for Tatum. And, like, he had Shamit on him. He was setting screens so that Tatum got a one-on-one against Shamit. Or they were running pick and pop, and two went to Kemba, and all of a sudden Tatum is working against a closeout. That doesn't happen when Kemba's not there. And so I, I just think he makes things so much easier And that if you have a fully realized Tatum – next to Kemba that's that's a really tough if you look at their fourth quarter numbers with both those guys on the court their offensive rating is 125.3 or 4 which is outrageous and so they're just really tough to stop in in crunch time when they're together and most of the plays are running through them and I think the the flip side of that is you saw you know we we talked about this this, this week on, on Nerder, but you saw that game against Houston, and how much he just having Kemba's ability to to navigate double teams and and you know get get an offense started, which they don't really have anyone else in the roster who against any sort of you know Houston Houston is now playing a very high pressure defense, which you might see more of in, in in the postseason. But against that, you know, because they didn't have anyone who could work against that, they're starting their offense at 30 feet from the basket. And I, I don't think it's an accident that, you know, he was 9 of 27 when he's all of a sudden going, you know, one-on-one against a very physical defender from 27 feet from the basket as opposed to, to you know, getting a, a kinder catch and kind of working against a closeout, as you said, or just easier situations than that kind of, you know, having to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball every time basically 
Well, it, that Houston defense, I think, is the perfect simulation of what playoff de- defense is like, where they were able to get away with a lot more contact on the perimeter. Uh, a big thing that Tatum's been doing really well is using his forearm to create separation, whether it's into a step-back game or to be able to put defenders in jail and kind of get that angle that he wants to drive. And he couldn't really get any of that against Houston because Houston was just way too physical, and their defenders are kind of ready for you to put an arm in their They're chest. They're good at flopping. And like that's, very that's good at accentuating contact. Sorry, we call it Grifton. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> the, the the Boston Boston Grift. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're very good at the accentuation of contact. But uh, um, do you feel like they miss the dribble handoff, like capability uh, of Horford a little bit? Because I mean, it is a good way. Like you know, when Kemba's not out there, it is a great way to get the offense started. Tice is okay, but he's not. It's not the same. Yeah, I would say, and not really. No, I don't. I think they don't offense, miss Al Horford at all. They oh, they certainly miss okay. Al Horford. Um, I was like Jay King. They, that's, they, that was Jay if, King. If, if this team had Al Horford, they would be significantly better. Their chances in the playoffs would be much better. But I do think there's something to the fact that running more pick and rolls and having more of a emphasis on having the big men get to the rim and have that rim threat, that's helped them. And I think, too, a big part of it is they play small. They have Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown at power forward. And I think Hayward, because he was hurt last year, and Jalen, because he was just still trying to figure things out, they weren't always good at punishing power forwards who were guarding those guys. Now those guys are much better, I think, against a mismatch. And that's been a big deal for them, too, whether it's Jalen getting to the cup and being more patient or Hayward, you know, initiating offense by getting by a guy that's been big for them. And so I I don't, I think there are parts of Horford that they miss. Obviously they have no high volume, big man shooter or even close to it. Like Tice doesn't shoot a lot. He's down to like 28 or 29% this year. Cantor is never going to shoot. Robert Williams is never going to shoot. Grant Williams, when he plays backup center, like he's at 25.6% for the season. Teams leave him. They, that is something they could miss a lot in the playoffs because they, they always had that outlet with Al, and they don't have that right yeah. now. Uh, I got a question for Seth, actually. How, why do you think Tice has flown under the radar defensively this year? I feel like... He's not mentioned enough when we're talking because about because he's like, a six eight German. Uh, yeah, but but he's a, an effective six eight center. I mean, we all made a big deal out of the Rockets going small, but like you said, I mean, they've been small here all year. Well, I don't think that's a perfect con- comparison because while while Tice is a six eight center, plays like he's a bit. He's, he's he's playing like PJ Tucker is playing center. Yeah. Daniel Tice is a center, right? And you know, I think he, I think he probably gets recognition as being, you know, he's a pretty good defensive center. Are you trying to put him up in that top category of of like, you know, guys like the, the, you know, the, the I think he, I, Lo, I Lo, him, Lopez and Bead, Gobert, like I put him that, below, just below those guys okay. like for this I, season. I mean, he's I think really I, I mean, I think that's like saying he's, a, you know, that's a he's he's having a nice season and better than I expected mm-hmm. is and and then but jumping. But we talk to, about everybody. It's yeah. it's sort of like a presidential. Uh, race everybody gets their week where's tice's week i don't <laughs> yes. know i, I feel like they, i feel like the studies of, of who gets social media mentions would uh oh yeah we, we talk we, about alex caruso and nobody we, else we need so. uh, if a jazz blogger is listening please give us a breakdown of how many times tice has been mentioned 
I need, um, I need the tight screen. But he's been well. He but he's numbers. been the linchpin of this defense all year. Well, that's the Celtics play such a different style of defense than just because Tice is six eight and like compared to the bigger centers, he's just not a traditional kind of drop uh, meet guys at the rim. They play a high flying kind of scrambling defense, and the Celtics have been very good at kind of moving uh, on a string. And Tice has been great at that, and he gets more blocks than you think he would at his size. Um, but he's also good at just he allow. They don't always switch, but in situations they can use him and switch out on the perimeter, and he's good at it he's better than most centers in the league just because he's faster and i think he like that's another reason he's, he's just not like an imposing guy but he's just very solid in like the defensive he system did a great job when he was switched on lebron oh yeah yeah that was that was eye-opening i i think the main thing that i think tyson's main value is that he's just a very good pick and roll defender which kind of came out of nowhere because last year he wasn't that good and this year he's pretty much stepped into the same scheme that Al Horford was doing where they were defending up to touch so the big man is basically just below the screen level drawing in the play and he's just really good at that and there's not a lot of defenders that can do that well without giving up penetration like Ennis Cantor for example he gives up penetration most of the time when he tries to do it so I think that's probably the place where he brings the most value on a consistent basis but Talking heads tend not. I'm sure Stephen A. Smith is pouring over film trying to figure out why Tice is such a good defender, uh, which, you know, probably you're not going to hear that too much when it, you're talking about narratives building up. People Tice talk isn't about sexy. Shots. Tice isn't sexy. No, that's but, Vincent. Uh, but sometimes just getting I mean, the sex pants. Now yeah, that guy. That right. It also helps Tice a lot that the Celtics have three, six, seven wings or six, eight wings. Who are all very good defensively, and, very and Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart, and, Marcus Smart. <laughs> and then Marcus Smart, the best defensive yeah. six of all time. Yeah, so they they have a lot of really quality defenders around him, and he's been very solid. He's quarterback things. The one play that stands out to me is the Trey Young three to that would have oh, tied yeah. the game, I think, against Atlanta. Trey is by himself. Tice is on an island. Doesn't foul him. Contests a shot. Blocks it. And ends the game. There aren't many big guys that can stick with Trey Young like that. And so Tice's versatility isn't talked about a lot, but he's he's been really solid for them in a lot of ways. And I still think he could be an issue against Joel Embiid if they play him in the first round. Like he's still six eight and two hundred fifteen pounds. And even though he did a good job against Embiid in their last matchup, there are certain matchups that are just really really tough for him, and he has to do his work early. And he has to get a lot of help in in that matchup. Yeah, center is why I was low on the Celtics. I thought Cancer was going to play a lot more than he did, right? I mean, he still might be playing too much. I don't know, but uh, I, my my thing was they needed Robert Williams to be more ready than he was, uh, or they needed to get someone. But Tice is, I mean, he, I, I'm shocked by he, how good he's been. It's funny because I gave Tim Bontemps a lot of crap for tweeting that Tice is the Celtics MVP. <laughs> I did not know he tweeted that. <laughs> and uh, obviously he's not their MVP, but they needed someone to emerge in that role. Mm. And him doing that has been one of the many things that has gone right for them, whether it's Brown and Tatum emerging, uh, Kemba fitting in well, Hayward getting back closer to his previous level. And then they needed Tice to be good. And then Robert Williams too has, has been passable when he's been healthy. So a lot has gone right for them, and Tice has been among the. I mean, that's not like he hasn't he hasn't been their best player, but kind of, but for I mean, you know, you take Tatum away, and they have reasonable, not as good facsimiles. You if if Tice is is not there, like who is their has their second best center been over the season? Has it been 
Grant Williams? Like, yeah, has maybe. it's probably been <laughs> clearly two way. It's Grant Williams. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I you you will not hear uh, more appreciation of Grant Williams than for me. But yeah. he's still a rookie six five guy who can't shoot yet, <laughs> and so. In terms of just the like what he has given them over what they thought they were going to get at that position, that's it's a hyperbolic statement, but it's not it's not the, it's not the and, and that ridiculous. That was Bontemps's point. Yeah, to to his credit, even yeah. though I gave him a lot of crap. Okay, in a playoff series, who what do the Celtics do behind Daniel Tice? What the hell because, is yeah, Brad Stevens? And he's probably going to foul out because he gets the worst whistle the in the league. Well, and the East is big. <laughs> like you're going to have to go. Go against these guys, like I mean, how are you going to deal with Marcus All? Mike Woodson was before his time, <laughs> <laughs> but really, like, well, how they're many gonna, minutes can Cantor's going to really play, play against Joel Embiid, and I mean, statistically, he's done pretty well against Embiid this year in limited opportunity. Like he's at least on the block, you put him out on the perimeter, Joel's going to get by him. But on the block, Cantor does a pretty solid job. Um, I don't think that team doesn't run high. The Sixers are going to make it. I mean, so unless they're the sixth seed, which is possible, I, I don't think that matchup is going to happen. Yeah, but even, well, like, it's very no possible. That's a three-six like, matchup. How many minutes could Tice reasonably play? He fouls a lot. Maybe like thirty. It's called minutes for a fouls game. a lot. I Let's think you play Tice as much as you can. <laughs> sure. Whether it's twenty-eight or thirty minutes a game, whatever it is. I don't know what they're going to do for the other eighteen or twenty minutes. Do you go Grant Williams? How has Marcus Smart done against Embiid? <laughs> That's the one thing the Celtics he, have not really shown. That one time. Yeah, like yeah, they haven't really used their their best five. Five. Because Smart's usually used a dig on Embiid when someone else right. is, and it works great, or it works well, I should say. Um, Smart has, I think, handled him one on one like three or four times, maybe, and Joel usually can shoot over the top on him. Because right. how many times has he fallen down in those? those All three of oh, I assume, yeah. just, <laughs> I assume he was just laying down. He goes in yeah. to take a charge. But like I think like they're the Celtics have fallen that launched himself <laughs> to the. It's he does have some of the greatest. <laughs> takes the nest sniper takes him out for. He some takes the nest plunge every single time. There's any kind of contact. Oh, I like, will say he got a reputation as a flopper. He hasn't flopped as much over the last couple of years. But like oh, he earned his reputation. The yeah. Corver flop from a few years ago when they were playing Atlanta in the playoffs, probably the greatest flop of all time. Smart almost hurt himself catapulting himself to the ground it was fantastic i'll give you guys a, a story idea gotta find out if he's wearing like uh mountain bike uh pads because the way he hits like he hits on his low back and he's definitely not tough. wearing a cup because that man has been struck in the penis more times than anyone else <laughs> i've ever seen him playing basketball my god he has his the question I have for you guys from, like, I guess, because uh, uh, we're watching the Celtics every game. Yeah. So with the emergence of Jason Tatum and Daniel Tice playing this well, I was, like, with you the start of the year. They're going to have troubles because they don't have a big man. There's no way they can make the finals. Has this changed anything? I mean, the Bucks are still the best team. And, like, I know you have some uh, some Bucks connections. So what's your assessment of, like, the, the Celtics as uh, – able to beat the Bucks or even the Raptors in the playoffs. You want to go first? Um, they can them, – them, them versus the Raptors will be a fun series. It's going to be a fun series. I don't think they can beat the Raptors if the Raptors I, are healthy. I, 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 I think that series is pretty close to a toss-up. Really? Yeah. I think home court advantage is huge in that series. I think the two seed is going to be very important because mm. the Celtics don't win in Toronto. Oh, I, see, think I, I think – I mean, I think at this point you have to say that the Celtics have the best player on the floor in that series. 
You're not wrong. Daniel Tyson. That is insane. <laughs> I mean, I like MVP Daniel Tyson. Jason Tatum's the third best player in the East. Yeah. He's Giannis right and Embiid, Embiid and Tatum. Tatum. Is that crazy? No. I, I mean, you you can for third best. You have a discussion, I think, between at least this year with between uh, especially two ways: Simmons, Middleton, yeah, and, and yeah. Tatum. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's yeah, yeah. Like he's he's in the discussion. I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not going to say like definitely. But yeah, no. But I mean, yeah. it's, it's at least close enough that I have to think about it. Um, which coming into the season, I would not have expected. Two months ago, I wouldn't have expected that. <laughs> yeah. Is so it, you didn't even mention do you guys Jimmy Butler passing Siakam there? I don't think Do you think it's sustainable, Seth? I mean, he just I mean this leap like that he's I'm taken I, the biggest this thing season. is the, the 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 shooting is is likely to to regress. I mean sure. Jay, Jay and I kind of wrote an article a couple of weeks back and it's like he's having a nice run of shooting and he is a obviously a very good shooter, mm-hmm. but at a certain point you know the the volume of tough shots that he's taking there's going to be ebbs and flows, and, and there's going to be a stretch like he had kind of at the beginning of the year where he can't throw it in the ocean, and that's partially a function. He's kind of, last last week or so, he's had a couple of a couple of rough ones, hasn't he? The, um, I mean, he had one. He scored 30 in them all, but, but the, the Houston but the game efficiency was, yeah. was 9 yeah. for 27. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, you know, it, it, the, the, the way teams are playing now with putting the, the ball in a one guy's hands and, and the pace of play, like scoring 30 is – if you're taking you know 28 shots to do it or whatever, yeah. it's it's I, I still kind of say, you know, yeah. you 30 ain't what it used to be. Yeah. So so okay. So you think that the series 40, 40 is the new 30? Let me tell you. <laughs> you you think a series with Toronto is a toss up? There's no way they can beat the Bucks. Be, I don't see it. I think the Bucks are a significant favorite, but I wouldn't say there's no way. I mean, a shooting luck could definitely turn that series around. Um, it but, would have to go both ways. Like they would have to be extremely lucky. With the Bucks, but they have Semi Ojale, who's a Giannis stopper. So I think it's like, <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop. Have you seen that man's body? It's cut, stop. thick Jack frame. <laughs> well, but the legitimate he was question put is, put on this earth to do exactly that. <laughs> thick, thick Jack frame just, just to guard Giannis. They, but can't. The question is like, what can they do to limit Giannis? They've right. been generally well equipped to do that. For a while, but they're going to put a put a lot of pressure on. They him don't limit way. him. He still gets like forty and twenty, but and they're they're well, he not, they're not well equipped now to do that. They were when they had Horford and when they had Baines. Now, like you can get away with Marcus Smart on him in a regular season game. I think over seven games, so, if you're throwing six seven wings on Giannis yeah. without much size behind them, yeah. I think that is an enormous. The Celtics issue. would have to shoot like forty-five percent from three for a whole series to win. If you don't have a guy who can take that that Giannis straight on Euro step in the chest and not get either knocked over or just run around, then you get without a, fouling. Without fouling, right. you know, like Ojale has generally been able to do that over the past few years. But, but then you have to play Shemi Ojale, and then he needs to shoot fifty percent from three. I strongly disagree with that statement about Ojale. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, I don't. I That's think Shemi no Ojale for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that you know, certainly, like let's put it this way: since there's been a, the, the offense has been Giannis with space. When was the last time Ojale actually? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like two years ago in the playoffs, but that was kind of. Other things were, it, other things were standing in the way than 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 just Ojale of of that offense functioning. Are you kidding me right now? No. Um, 
Fawn, make her money sign. Yeah. Uh, money well, celebration. But Brook Lopez is going to – he'll average 25 in that series because the, there is no answer Ooh, for Brook. Tw- 25 from Brook. Yeah. Who's going to go – I mean, who are you going to stick on him? Daniel Tice. Kemba Walker. <laughs> yeah. So Brook's going to – I mean, what is he going to be at? Like, He's going to be at two points per possession on post-ups. Do you think they would actually throw him into the block ten times a game just to take advantage of that? Possibly. They generally have not done that. I mean, the 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 more common way of of kind of is is the uh, Eric name memorial. Uh, Chris Middleton says too small, post up, and so that uh, uh, I think that's probably the more likely if <laughs> if they're going to throw the ball into someone and have them shoot over like. And I think he's had a decent amount of playoff success against the Celtics. He's a demon. Yeah. And he's a demon. He shoots like is that, you mean Michael Jordan? He's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then, he's like, that's, yeah. that's, and it's like the, that's the third guy we've talked about. So right. like I, you know, oh, the Bucks are good. I, yeah. I agree that the Bucks. No, are good. I just you don't I, say I, I yeah. like assuming like assuming like reasonable health. I just have a hard time constructing a a way those games play out that Boston wins four of seven. You know, like one or two based on like crazy shooting and 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 whatnot, but just the the margin for error is just is just it's it's big. You need perfection out of Boston, yeah, and yeah. then luck against yeah. the Bucks on the other side. Yeah, yeah. And, and if the Bucks are if if the Bucks are just uh, average for them, they they walk. So I mean, yes, from a from like a, a statistical standpoint, you'd say like okay, one time in ten they do it, but like as a practical matter. It's not. A, it's not. That's not a great chance. Yeah. But do the Bucks? Do they lose a little bit of that, like kind of seventy winish luster when they get to the playoffs? Just in the idea that, like the the way that they manage their depth, is it going to be quite as valuable in the playoffs? Or do you think there's still that un- unbelievable juggernaut? I mean, I think even accepting that, and yes, I think there is something to that. The gap is still pretty big. You know, it's it's. Okay, so they're fine. They're they're using playoff rotations. They're a sixty-two win team. Still a lot better. So it's a lot better, and they have the best player on the floor, and possibly the second best player on the floor. Are you talking so, about Chris Middleton? Or are you on this there? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Both really. Yeah, they have the best players so, on the floor. You know, I'm. You know, I. I the Celtics are. The Celtics are much better than than I think outside observers thought that they were going to be 100%. this year and inside observers. Yeah. And, but it is also it. The difference is I think Toronto, like if you're talking about like little micro matchup advantages, I don't think Boston really has many and Toronto has, even though I think those two teams would be evenly matched. I think Toronto would have a better chance because those kind of like those matchup advantages, I don't think make up the whole gap for Toronto, but they make up more of it than, than whatever, like Boston's might be. You know what's wild? On average, it takes people around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. That's basically a month. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you're gonna want treatment ASAP. That is where our friends Roman come in because they have spent years building a digital platform that could connect you with a doctor licensed in your state all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment that you need on your schedule fast. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online assessment, and you'll hear back from a U.S. 
licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship you your medication within two days. That's free two-day shipping. You also get a free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or if you want to adjust your treatment plan. So with Roman, there's no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you want some treatment, quick, fast, Roman's the way to go. If you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash Celtics for a free online visit and free day, two-day shipping. That is getroman.com slash Celtics for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Uh, is Brad Stevens the best defensive coach in the NBA? It's quite a question coming from the purveyor of Basic Brad. I, Basic Brad was an offensive uh, It was an offensive critique. True, critique. I, I actually have said for a long time, I think, I think he's going to go down as one of the best defensive coaches ever. When you look at what he's done, with the guys that he's like, you know, throwing out there. I mean, yes, he's got Marcus Smart, and that's you know that's fantastic. But I mean, and the greatest Jedi three point defense of all time, which he inherited from Doc Rivers, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> is the is the guard? I mean, is it just hard to shoot there? I don't think there's. I think people have looked at it and it hasn't been like a home road. So it, it, it's it is for the best of our ability to tell. It's a coin has landed head seven times in a row. Yeah, so they need humidors for the basketballs or something. Yeah. But so <laughs> they're banging but, they're banging trash cans yeah. as people are going up for jumpers. At some point, it's a pattern. <laughs> but, you start giving Brad credit for seven heads in a row. He though, he's flipping, defense, he's flipping like, it right. <laughs> it's it's honestly it's it's really it's unique because he changes things depending on the personnel, which I know is like, wow, what a novel concept. Instead of trying to fit all these, you know, square pegs into various round holes, he actually like puts people in position to succeed, which is how, you know, he has a top, didn't he, they had a top five defense with, uh, Jared Sullinger. Yeah. Tyler Zeller, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Was Zeller also on that? Yeah. They were competitive with Isaiah Thomas as getting, right. as many minutes as he did yeah. in his room. And, they, and then this year, even when Cantor's out there, I mean, and he's awful. They still, they've are, had a, actually great defensive numbers with Cantor on the but floor. But he is awful. Oh, he can't oh, move. Yeah, his feet is right. Old. Don't get me wrong. But this is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> so I'm giving him no credit for that. So he also usually has smart out there. So you guys are are around this team all the time. Like, what is the secret to Brad Stevens' success defensively? I think part, is he a genius? Like, I, is he a I defensive think he's genius? A very sharp defensive coach. I think part of it too is they've for years now had a lot of long athletic wings. And that's allowed them to be versatile. It's allowed them to switch a lot. It's allowed them to cover up a lot of mistakes. And this year, especially, like, because they're so small, they send doubles and they're really smart about it. I think I think that, to me, has been, like, the biggest difference this year is the amount of doubles they're sending and the amount of help they're sending. It seems like it's really heightened compared to what they did last year. So I – a big part of it, I think one of the more underrated like traits in the NBA is strength, is perimeter players having good body strength. And you, if there's one thing, one with the exception of like uh, RJ Hunter, if you look at, at, at but no, you look at, at, at Danny Ainge's draft picks yeah. and like they're all diesel. They, they, they are there. There's nobody that he that that shows up. That's a guy who's like, OK, he is physically going to be overwhelmed in a playoff setting. And so I think that has a lot to do with it also, is they have, like, you know, obviously smart plays, extremely physical. Uh, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward is, you know, the yeah. Captain America meme, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, 
yeah, and and so I think that has. I mean, even even you get into the bench players yeah, like like, like Grant Williams. Williams. Brad Watermaker's a yeah. big thick He's dude, sturdy, yeah, sturdy dude, yeah. So I think that that has a lot to do with it. Also, is there just they're, there's not uh, you don't get the 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 guy fall down freebie that much against against the Celtics because of the well, he's not on the, purpose. I mean, not unless it's on purpose. Yeah, well, no. The, if it's yeah. A, yeah, if it's an attempt at drawing a charge, right. then you might be. But that's still that's like you know yeah, that's a different thing. That's almost like an attempted steal. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I think from the coaching staff perspective, the, I mean, the big thing is ask every player. Every player that's ever played for Brad Stevens at one point has said publicly, "You have to play. You have to earn your way onto the floor on defense." And like that's something that they hammer into these guys from the beginning. They tell them before they sign or they acquire these guys. Like it's defense if you want to get minutes straight up like that. Ask Jalen Brown. That was like he he would get yanked all the time just for making like one defensive. There was one play he, he got yanked. Rookie. He started a game and got yanked after like fifteen seconds. It was incredible. Just because he blew like one rotation. <laughs> yeah. And so and now look at him. I mean, you know, he's one of the I think one of the best on ball defenders at his position in the league. Although there's a lot of debate about that. So. Um, with Seth's looking at me like, oh no, okay. I thought Seth was sometimes Seth the table makes a face that. at you, and you think like you just said the dumbest thing in the world, and it's I may have, yeah. But I think the big thing is they teach technique really well. Like all those guys have really good footwork on defense, um, and then your yeah, point of attack physicality is a big thing. Uh, but also this, their game plans are so complex defensively. Like they have different pick and roll coverages for every personnel. They drill it into the guys really well. Um, they just don't make that many defensive mistakes and everybody communicates really well. So they've just kind of always been on the string and they, not only do they have like complex game plans within the game, but they mix up their defensive coverages game you know, night to night all the time. They're usually an ice or drop scheme team on the pick and roll, but they'll do high switches. They'll do blitzes, whatever the you know whenever the personnel calls for it and they'll only do it on like specific pick and roll pairings too you know a lot of teams like a cleveland or a chicago it's like we're just going to blitz every single pick and roll because that's as much as we can handle it's like these guys only blitz when it's like a very specific pick and roll comedy oh, i thought you said every time cleveland sets a pick we'll just blitz them because <laughs> <laughs> uh so okay uh i should say we're recording this uh right before they play the jazz uh and with a win they can clinch a playoff spot um, oh, I didn't even know that. I think they also need a Wizards loss. Oh, okay, with the Wizards loss. Okay. I mean, I assume they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but again, back to back to me being surprised by how good this team has been. Like, they really have outperformed just about everybody's projections um, in a way that has made me reassess my opinion on Brad Stevens in general. Um, like, I gave him a lot of respect for his defense. I think the offense this year. Like you guys talked about, it's not as much side to side, which is one of my big complaints about previous seasons with him. Um, and maybe I was a little hard <laughs> on basic. But I still think. I mean, it was a good bit. I yeah. still well, but I still it's still not great. Um, but it is improved. It's not the clogged toilet that it was the last couple of years. I mean, the ball doesn't like the ball is actually trying to get in the hole instead of dancing around it. And, Probably because well, they have more now. than a six-foot-one guy that yeah. can score yeah. and, and so, yeah. but no, no, I mean, it, it's the actions have a little bit more purpose and are directly related I mean, to getting, getting to the basket instead of just egalitarian offense for the sake of egalitarian offense. I had the same, by the way, same complaints about Quinn Snyder. So I'll say, I'll say this. Is, this is, you know, you, you, want, a, you want a, a more ball movement offense and then you have your offense runs through Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving it's like that's what you get 
And, you know, you can it's one of those things where that's a very odd criticism of coaches that I'd say they think that their preference is to play this kind of very everyone watch this guy. With oh, the no, ball no. Thing. I, see, I don't think that and was his preference no, at all. But that but that's the player he has. And you get a certain point. That was the like, problem oh, last year. They didn't adjust to Kyrie. Like, right. At some point, you have to accept Kyrie Irving's going to put the ball in his own hands and like maybe. Yeah. And he's one of the like 10 or 15 most talented offensive players in the league when healthy. Like not being able to figure that out is like I think is worth criticism, but I also have tried to give compliments when things are good, and they've been good this year. I mean, I think some of that, as we were maybe seeing, is that uh, just in terms of the fit of of almost the 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 pace and style that that people are are good at playing, like. You know, Tatum and and Hayward and 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 Jalen Brown aren't good fits to play with Kyrie, because you know, like you say, they they do well off movement, off of and if you're and if one guy is kind of, you know, rocking the baby and all that, yeah. then there, how many times can they go and catch if they don't know when the ball's coming? That's why Kemba deserves like a lot of credit for his able to come in and willingness to share the ball and like. I guess by like he's been the guy for his entire career in Charlotte and he came in and was just very much bought into the offense and the movement and um it's just a totally it just looks so different he, he's easier year. to play with like yeah. he's his shot profile is going to end up looking roughly similar but it just happens so much like he it's okay, less he, pounding the ball yeah, no, the he, ground. It's he, like, he comes off the pick you're back okay I'm shooting yeah he'll do it again oh you're up okay I'll, I'll, just I'll get off the decisions yeah. with Kemba and so with Kyrie it's so much more deliberate and so much more of like all right let's pound the ball on the ground and just do something insane because Kyrie Irving is very talented but it just then you have four guys standing on the side, whereas this year it feels like everyone's engaged because Kemba's making the right read every single time, and everyone's kind of like locked and in. And Kemba enjoys like he enjoys getting rid of the ball and then working an off-ball action to get the shot. Like he actually thrives off of that, and he spent the last seven years pounding the ball the entire time, getting to live that lifestyle. And so I think he's really enjoying having to live, yeah, <laughs> having to, yeah. So it's like, I think he's enjoying being able to like not have that responsibility and, and not grind could, away all night. You could say that you know you could say that well like Kyrie is good playing off the ball so they should have done that more but like how many coaches has Kyrie played for well, and they how did, many of them they did do that but but how many times have they affect have have they it didn't stick yeah, no under I'm saying how many coaches has Kyrie played for and how many has he like willingly like you know okay well I'll, I'll be a catch and shoot guy even though he's a very good catch and shoot guy and it's just something that hasn't like that is not the player he is and so at some point you're maybe being a little a little hard on 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 Brad on Brad. Oh, yeah. but what were they? Take it. I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Dave on this one because what were they? 18th in offense two years ago, and I think part of that was they played two bigs. They had Al Horford and Aaron Baines. They were more a defensive minded team. They had Tatum, who was a rookie. Jalen Brown, essentially a rookie after barely playing his rookie season. They were built around guys that weren't supposed to play the roles they were. Right. Uh, last year they were 10th. Mm-hmm. They should not have been 10th. Right. They should have been better than 10th last year with as much talent as they had so i'm kind of with you i i do think gordon last year hampered him a bit um yes you know and, and so like you know i try to be fair about it we but say, it also is a good you, bit you, so you say all the talent they had last year and again you're talking about a limited gordon hayward you're talking about pieces that don't totally fit together like you know you if a pre-confidence uh, jason tatum yeah and and again like <laughs> I don't. I don't know Pretty if like if if you know uh, if like a, you know you're basing your offense on a on a pick and roll that's that's Kyrie and Al Horford. You know, one guy wants to sort of pick and stand and or pick and pop or pick and 
mid post and the other guy wants to dance with the ball, you're not you're not really creating much of a crease there. So it's again, if you look at the like, I think ten for for the the talent the team had last year, tenth offensively is fine. It was, it's it's you know the underachievement last year was more other things than than that. I would say. Uh, any any closing thoughts on the rest of the season? Oh, I've got a question okay. for for you guys. What? How important do you think it is that they have essentially no bench shooting in a playoff series, and especially the way the Bucks play and kind of beg the bad shooters to shoot? How important is it going to be that Brad Wanamaker was going to play 15 minutes or whatever, or Grant Williams? Is he going to play 15 bit. minutes in a playoff series? Someone's going to have to play 15 minutes. They're going to play centers for 48 minutes. They have six so solid guys and then their, seven and eight. Their are. five best players are going to play 35 or 36 minutes, and then that leaves like 15 or 20 minutes for Wanamaker, Ojale, Grant Williams, whoever. I, I, I think Grant is probably going to pick up a lot of those minutes just for the simple fact that out of those guys, I mean – it's him or Wanamaker that you trust to at least take the shots. But Wanamaker, I trust way more than Grant to kind of catch and shoot three. But do you trust him as much on the other end, right? Like, I mean, you, at that position, I'd much rather have Kemba or Marcus Smart in the game than yeah. like Grant can play small ball five, and it kind of makes sense in the rotation right. more than bringing Wanamaker in. But in terms of just like offense, Wanamaker knocks down shots. Grant. Right. Sometimes but but against like the Bucks, your biggest concern is not just that you hit shots, but it's that you just don't give it up on the other end. So I think that that like that's where, and this is you know this is obviously how do you answer basketball questions in general, right? Like how do I score and keep them from scoring? I think that essentially, I think it's a wind up being Grant. I agree with that because one, you need really good like weak side defensive discipline to be able to help and then still get out to shooters. I think he's ironically as a rookie already the best equipped to do that. Although Ojale is pretty decent at it, and then Williams, he's really good about moving and like continuing to foster movement into the offense. You know, he'll set slip screens, go to fill space. Like he kind of he's always trying to be active, and so he'll at least prevent the offense from becoming stale. And he's physical. Right, I mean, and not that Watermaker's not because he is, but I, I think that, like, you know, and Ojale's physical, but I just don't trust him to shoot. Um, but you know, he's shooting pretty solid. Yeah, but I feel like Ojale's a he better shooter. He just took down the Cavs too. Man, I so the, I'm projecting a lot with Grant's shot because I know it's not he's not like performing right now. It's more well, he's shooting like 37 percent since the he ball broke swings to Ojale or ball swings to Grant in the corner. I have way more faith in Ojale of knocking down the shot than I. So do you think Ojale should be the guy then? I think Grant. I don't know. I think it depends on matchup. Grant's yeah. bigger. It's a it's a tough spot, right? Like, yeah. like who who? That's one. That's that's, that's why the they can't beat the no, Bucks. But that's, no, but that's that's one possession a game. So I don't think the difference between like Ojale shooting, you know, thirty when Grant's five percent on there, that they, shot, like defenses beg him. They just abandoned him and like beg him to shoot. And this has been Jay's yeah. like point yeah, for the longest time. Like, like it's do, gonna do, be fi- do it's teams guard Ojale? No. No, no, I wouldn't change it a lot. Sorry, you know, it's gonna be fifteen or twenty minutes. And that's not a lot. That's not a lot of minutes. But I just think whoever that guy is, teams are just going to help off of it's so a lot much. Of, it's a lot of offensive possessions with less space. Yeah. And the margin in a potential Raptor series is very small. So, like, those possessions will probably – I don't know if it's going to turn a game. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know if the guy – I, I actually thought Marvin Williams going to the Bucks was a pretty big deal because if he had been able to take those minutes instead of one of those guys, it's like yeah. all of a sudden – you got a dude who's competent at both ends of the court. Yeah. 
I mean, the thing is, statistically, they're all kind of shooting about the same, but, but you would you trust Williams, obviously, Marvin over that. Williams, at least a little bit. You're not going to just abandon him. Well, and, and, and that's it's, it's a volume thing as much as an accuracy thing, because he will shoot. Yeah. Like, it's you see this, like, Marcus Smart is not a good shooter. Marcus Smart gets guarded yeah. because Marcus Smart will shoot. You get that with Jay Crowder also. Like, yeah. Jay Crowder will shoot. Right. So, okay, he's shooting. Shout out Ben Simmons. That's, that's the argument for Ben Simmons just taking shots. I mean, but it's but with Simmons, it's so it's kind of different because it's so noted it's that he's a bat, yeah. that he's a, that he's a that he, <laughs> wow that he's a that he's not non shooter that even him shooting like tossing one up a game with, but but like the fact that like oh man Marcus Smart will take uh, take the shot every time and I'll have a game where he goes five of six like it's still you know back of player's mind must guard yeah. even though maybe maybe if you really like thought about it you're like yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's just one of the things that I look ahead, and it's like, okay, that those 15 minutes could really be an issue offensively. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's it uh, for this episode of Anything is Nerdable. Make sure you guys subscribe to Anything is Potable and Nerder She Wrote, because I, I think we're doing a crossover. 